Welcome back to the Siding Lap, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. Now, on this week's episode, Carly and I are here to take you through the first race weekend of the season. MotoGP is back, ladies and gentlemen, and we kicked off the first round in Portimao, the famous roller coaster circuit, and it did not disappoint. This weekend has been a weekend we have been looking forward to since the end or the start of November last year after the end of the 2022 MotoGP season. And of course, with the introduction of sprint races, we were all so excited to get this season underway. So let's just jump straight into the weekend and jump in to the sprint races because that is obviously the first race that happened on Saturday afternoon. So yeah, let's let's deep dive into it. The sprint races. Um weird format, obviously. Qualifying set the grid for the sprint race, but nothing actually comes about of the sprint race. The sprint race doesn't set the grid for Sunday. So the only thing you're battling for is points, and obviously it's half points. But yeah. What 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 did you think about sprint races, Carly? I'm still not too sure about them. Yeah, neither am I. I think I need a few more to see where I stand on them. Yeah. I think especially starting off at Portimao instead of Qatar this year made things very interesting as well. Yeah. Um, It's known for having many chaotic races. I mean, it's the roller coaster for a reason. (laughs) Like, it is a crazy place. Obviously, we had Mark starting on pole after getting the slipstream from Bastianini, really. So I think he did thank Bastianini for that slipstream because that Honda Honda was not doing anything. No. But um, he then finished the sprint race in third. So he went back two places, obviously two Ducatis ahead of him on the podium. What can you do when you're on that Honda, really, against eight Ducatis? I'm really, I'm not surprised, actually. I shouldn't say surprised because I actually have been hyping Marquez up a little bit pre-season before this. I think to qualify first was Maz, um, but typical Mark Marquez fashion. To then finish the race third, I think is absolutely fantastic. Like, he was getting attacked from every angle in this race. And I think that's one of the things I want to highlight about the sprint race is that it actually produced really close racing and no one was able to get away, which is something that we've been looking for in MotoGP, especially after last season where we didn't actually really get any close battles on track at all. You know, someone usually checked out and that was that. So, you know, what was it, 12 laps or something like that? To have yep. it all really close together like that, I think, was really, really good. But on the other hand of that, I actually think that... The, I can't believe I'm complaining about close racing in, in, on the other hand. But there was far too many crashes, in my opinion. I think opening race of the season, like you said, we're not at Qatar, we're at Portugal. People are going to be sketchy already because it's the first race of the season. You know, people aren't back in there swing of things it's all up the left and you know to be battling on a Saturday for points I think caused a lot of people to make silly mistakes that that don't usually make silly mistakes and it caused people to be a lot more make more rash moves basically 
because there are points up for grabs and obviously you know the person with the most amount of points at the end of the season gets crowned the champion so you're gonna fight for every opportunity that you can to get points but I think I think it sort of hindered itself a little bit and yeah it caused a lot of unnecessary chaos I think yeah I think the sp- what the reason they brought in the sprint race was to create more exciting racing yeah. for the fans and that's definitely been achieved but mm-hmm. they I think the championship definitely need to rethink maybe how many they're having of these sprint races because 21 races just seems like a whole lot yeah. and with five riders already crashing out in the first sprint race yeah it seems unnecessary for that many crashes when we've already got 21 full races where more people can crash out. Yeah, it it does seem that way. And obviously, you know, majority of the people ended up being okay after the crashes that they had in the sprint races. But, you know, look at Marini, someone who doesn't really crash often. We always talk about how good he is and how he never crashes. Crashed in this race and it was a really uncharacteristic crash but in doing that he took out a championship hopeful Anea Bashanini and Anea's actually broken his collarbone or his uh, scapula bone so you know that's him out now for definitely Argentina and possibly America just depending on how he manages to recover I think he's already flown out to get surgery or to to get a plate inserted um, and already starting recovery by the sounds of it but I think that is massive for the championship and you know there's the likes of Peko Bangaya who's been able to to capitalize on it I think Peko put a fantastic performance in all weekend but when you don't have all your rivals lining up beside you I think that makes a a massive difference and one person's come out good at the end of this weekend and a lot of people not so good yeah so obviously MA has fractured his scapula but like not having the second teammate we can't really see obviously Peko won the sprint race but are they gonna win the the team's championship now because and they are not being there not scoring points in the first two races yeah he's on zero and everyone else is now on at least a couple of points nearly so yes Peckham is looking very hopeful for a championship campaign, but the team's championship and the construct well, they all have constructors, the constructors, yeah, they've got that at the back. The teams, yeah, the teams obviously, will they get someone to stand in for an air? Probably, probably Piro, or is it Piro? Probably, yeah. yeah, they might, depending on how long he's out, yeah, yeah, but. Obviously, they brought an air in this season to try and have the best possible team that they could have. And at the minute, they've only got one rider. Yeah. So, not looking it's... too great at the minute. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And I think just to, to finish up on the, the sprint races, it seemed to work well for the people at the front. So, the front three... Front three qualifying which was Mark Marquez, Jorge Martin and Peko Bagnaia finished the race but just in different positions but all on the front row so obviously you had Peko Bagnaia winning the race, Jorge Martin in second and then Mark Marquez in third so the people at the front really capitalised and made the most of that sprint race the people midfield 
absolutely shafted. There were so many crashes. There were so many punts, like Johan Mir punted Fabio Quattararo. Mir obviously fell off. Quattararo was then at the back of the grid. Couldn't really recover from that. Didn't score any points. You know, we, we talked about the Luca Marini and Anaya Bashanini crash. There was other crashes then. Marco Bezzecchi crashed out and was complaining about um some questionable overtakes from riders. So it's it's interesting. At the at the minute now, I definitely think that it brought exciting racing, but it seems to be that unless you qualify well, you are going to get shafted in the sprint race because people are going to be making dive bombs, rash decisions, and riding completely out of their comfort zone and, and not how they're used to. So it'll be interesting to see if this carries on for the rest of the season or if people will start to calm down and sort of realise that the points aren't worth it in a sprint race or... They just need to to bring it back a little bit and to not worry so much about the points on offer on sprint races and sort of use it as a free practice for session, which is obviously what it is replacing. So I like it and I don't like it. I'm very 50-50 at the minute. Yeah, really qualifying means more than the races at this point because if you qualify 10th, 9th, 8th, you're not going to probably be getting on the podium (laughs) in either races because obviously qualifying makes up both grids yeah so there's not much chance for you you need to be on the front row to have any chance of winning the race either races really yeah well that's the thing even if you qualified say 10th in the sprint race ended up on the podium in the sprint race you've got to start 10th again on Sunday that must be so you've you've got to make up all that time and again if the if there's a Ducati at the front of the field in the long race screwed the group is going to be spread out definitely so yeah mixed opinions on sprint races but we'll definitely give it a few more goes before we make up our our opinions on the matter i I definitely want to see more of it it was exciting to sit down and watch on saturday but yeah we'll we'll wait and see but anyway moving on to moto 3 then on sunday the first race of the day i love this class i think it's absolutely incredible and yeah, starting off the race, then we have to say that one of the title favorites for this year, Dennis Onchu, I don't know if he stalled his bike or if he had a bit of a mechanical problem, whatever it was, he didn't get the bike going for the warm up lap, which meant he had to start the race from pit lane. And we all know what happens when you start the race from pit lane, unless you're Pedro Costa. It doesn't really work well for you, does it? No, but I think Onchu did it amazing job like incredible <laughs> you can when they tell people from pit lane to start it is it's meant i'm pretty sure it's meant to be after the last person crosses the like yeah exit of pit lane yeah but it is like five seconds after that and you have to make up five seconds six seconds seven seconds sometimes just to be able to get on the back of the group mm. and he ended up 10th in the race he'd I don't know how he did it, really, but I mean, anything can happen in Moto Three, as we've seen from Pedro Costa yeah. starting from pit lane and winning. I think these kids are incredible. Yeah, I think Onchu was absolutely fantastic, and it's it's annoying to think that if he had started the race where he was meant to start the race, what could have happened? Like, I really do think he would have been up there, and he's one of my title favorites for the year. I I, I definitely think he. We'll put in some strong performances, but I think this will show a lot of people 
what he's here to do this season. He's in the IO squad this season, sort of making that step across. And I think they will really refine his riding this year. And I think I think it, it's already showed because I feel like Dennis Onshu of the past would have panicked before having to start from pit lane and maybe would have made some crazier moves and some scary moves and could have taken riders off because we've seen him do it before. But this is a really calculated performance. And of course, it's not what he wanted. And a 10th place for him will be really annoying. But I think in terms of his growth and the chances and opportunities to be moving to maybe Moto2 next season have definitely... I don't know, it's gone up again. Like, I think he's he's really in with the shout this year. The person who he swapped with last uh, this season, yeah. Holgado. I think Where did this he, come from? he qualified fourth and mm-hmm. won the race. His first ever Moto3 race that he's won. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting that, to be honest. Because no obviously way. he's moved back to the kind of satellite team yeah. of KTM and Moto3 with the Tech 3 squad. He was in the IO squad last year. And it didn't really work out for him last year. I think he was kind of finding his feet a bit more. But this year, he was straight out the gate and onto the... onto won the race. What am I trying to say? (laughs) Onto the top step. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It was a mad performance as well. Like, at the start of the race, he was dominating and he was strong. And then... Towards the end, sort of five laps to go, he got a bloody long lap penalty. And then he infringed it again. So he was on four strikes. And once you get five, you have to take a long lap penalty. I don't know how he managed to keep it between the lines, but he did. And he still managed to win the race. And he had such scary people behind him in David Munoz and Diogo Moreira and Ayumi Sasaki. And then Jamie Messia was in there. Uh, the rookie uh, Ruedo was in there. Like, I don't know how it was a big group at the end. I think yeah. it was like a group of 12 or something. But the last probably about four or five laps, Holgado had worked it out what he was going to do. Yeah. Everyone else was trying to get the slipstream on the last lap, but he was just just that tiny bit further away. So no you one can, could pass him. Yeah. It was an yeah. amazing performance. It actually was. And, and usually you don't want to be leading into the first lap of the race, but Holgado took this race by the horns and just absolutely dominated start to finish and I really wasn't expecting it this early on from Holgado like I watched him a lot last year and sort of had a lot of hopes for him but he came into last year injured and obviously rookie season but I mean start as you mean to go on I'm really excited to see how Holgado's season's gonna go now because of this performance and then I did mention him rookie also in the IO squad this year Jose Antonio Rieda finished in fourth place. I think this is a performance that needs to be mentioned. Now, he qualified, what, second? He went back to 10th in the race at one point, was battling. I sort of thought, okay, that seems about right. You know, you don't want to expect too much at the start of a rookie's season. And then at one point, he was leading the race. Actually, I looked up and was like, oh, it's just Hogado. Nope, it was Rieda. I think this kid is crazy talented. I think he's going to have a fantastic season. And I think to finish fourth definitely is worth a mention. Definitely. I know on, I think it was on our Instagram or Twitter, when we made our predictions, a couple of us put him on the podium yep. to come second or third. And people were saying, give him a chance. Like yeah. he's obviously a rookie. 
like he's not going to get on the podium for the first race but I mean it was in like reaching distance for oh, him yeah. because it was crazy the last couple of laps everyone was chopping and changing places yeah but a fourth is amazing from him just coming to the class his first race yeah just blown people away yeah absolutely fantastic Another person that we need to talk about who maybe didn't have as good of a race this weekend was our good friend Scott Ogden. I have to mention it. He has blown everyone away in preseason testing. I think he's really made a step up this year. He was consistently inside the top 10. And then he qualifies P20 on Saturday and crashes out of the race on the first lap. Now, I, I don't know if people have seen it or not, but on his Instagram, he did post um after the race, sort of saying, look, first race of the season, my nerves got the better of me, will come back stronger. And I 100% agree with that statement. Like, to race in Portimao in the first race of the season, like, it's a scary place to be. And especially when you've made such a jump from last year, I'm not surprised that he was quite nervous going into this race, but... I think he's definitely one to look out for this season and we shouldn't read too much into the crash, but I hope that he can get things under control and, and get those solid top 10 finishes that he should be getting now coming into his, his second year. But yes, I feel like we just had to mention mention Scott there and obviously we hope he comes back stronger for Argentina on Sunday. Then I also want to mention, if we're talking about crashes, Joel Kelso. Now, Joel Kelso qualified third on the grid on Saturday and he started this race incredibly obviously he's with the CF Bristol team this year CF Moto um and I forgot they changed it CF Moto team this year good because I can't say that they change Um, everything changes every year and I can't keep up (laughs) um but yeah he had a good race had a fantastic race crossed the finish line and I don't know how this happened but Danny Holgado had slowed right down after the finish line to celebrate his win. Joel Kelso was still going pretty top speed and was ripping off a tear-off. And I don't know what happened. It was a bit of a freak accident, but he just absolutely clattered into Danny Holgado from behind and has broken his ankle in the process. So now he's going to be ruled out of quite a few races, I would say. And he started the season so strong, so it seems really... I don't know, it was just such a freak accident and this is going to be really hindering his performance for the rest of the season. Now he's going to have to recover from this injury. Then, obviously, finishing up the podium, we have Munoz in second and Marrera in third. Incredible performances from both of them. Second season um, in the class, obviously, Munoz had um, not really a whole season last year, phenomenal performance from him still 16 years of age how I don't know Marrera an incredible performance from him as well obviously last year he was more getting ninths and tenths yeah I think this has really shown that he is in the championship fight this year and Mm. that some of the more experienced riders like Messia who came fifth and Suzaki who ended up coming sixth they have got to work their socks off this season with all the talent in Moto3 
yeah I don't know who like obviously everyone has their favorites for the championship but there are so many people to pick from like I don't think I can pick one no I can't and even just looking at the results of the race like it is it's crazy and we actually mentioned this last week in our who to look out for episode there's just such a massive range of people and then you've got so many seasoned pros in the class and I say seasoned pros but people who are sort of like 20 21 22 and now you've got 16 17 year olds coming in you know finishing above these riders who have been in the class for a couple of years now and it's it's a really interesting mix and I'm excited to see how we go on from this but yeah that Moto3 race was nothing short of crazy like it always is but good crazy we love Moto3 it was absolutely fantastic and I'm really excited to see where we go from here. I think it's going to be a really, really spicy championship to watch. Excited for the next round. <laughs> yeah. But for Moto3 then, Carly have I, and Car- oh my God, Carly and I have decided to pick our riders of the day. So I'm going to pick none other than the race winner, Danny Holgado. Has to be him. He showed crazy dominance performance and yeah. I've mentioned everything I need to say about him. I think he's definitely up there with the championship favourites this year. I know it might be a bit early to say that, but yeah, definitely keep your eyes out on Danny Holgado. If he's going to keep putting in performances like that, he is going to be hard to beat this year. So yeah, he's definitely my rider of the day. And I've picked Onchu just because I think if he had not had whatever issues he had, yeah. I think he would have definitely won the race from eighth on the grid. Um, I just don't really have much more to say from pit lane start to 10th when the bikes are all getting faster and craziness. I know, (laughs) absolutely crazy. But yes, that is the first Moto3 race of the season covered. So let's move on then to Moto2. So before starting this race, we have to mention that Ayagura and Izan Guevara both did not start this race this weekend because they are both out at the minute due to injury. Izan Guevara had been suffering from sort of arm pump um, before the season and he has gone under the knife. That's what I want to say. Yeah, he's undergone surgery um, and he will be out. Well, obviously for this first race and then probably the second race and maybe even America, but hopefully by then he will be back and fit. So we're not really sure where Eason stands in terms of pace or anything like that. So it'll be very, very interesting to see where he is when he comes back. And obviously the man who finished second in last year's championship, Ayagura, this is not how he wanted to start his season either, not even on the bike. He was on the track, or he was at the track, I should say. And yeah, you could just tell that he wanted to be out there and be racing, but he suffered a, a training injury before the season started and will probably be out in Argentina. Um, I think he is trying to make a return, but we're not sure yet what's what's going on there. But yes, those two did not start the race on Sunday. But yeah, jumping straight into it, Pedro Acosta dominance. I think that's the only way to describe it. He qualified in third and then he just absolutely checked out at the start of the race. And I think this is the sort of performance that people have been expecting of Pedro Acosta. I think people expected it last year, which was too early to predict in his rookie season. But this is the Pedro Acosta that we know and we know can win races and championships. And I don't want to say it too early on again, but 
if he performs like that for the rest of the season, Pedro Costa will be a very, very hard man to beat. Definitely. And obviously, Canet finished in second. Yeah. He was really close to Acosta. I think they just those two just stormed away, really. Yeah, but they did. Acosta just had that little bit extra in the bag at the end mm. and won by about, I think it was on 1.1 seconds. That was close, yeah. I really wanted him to pull a wheelie over the line, but I, I think with that hill on the um, last corner... No, that would be a bit scary. <laughs> but maybe it will happen in another race. Yeah, I'd say so, but... Yeah, Aaron Cannon. Do you know that's his tenth second place finish in Moto yeah. Two? It's I feel it. it's coming. Like I felt it today. I'm not gonna lie. He was following Pedro Costa. It was like yeah, I think I think because he was following as well. Like when you're following the tires, obviously, yeah, degrade a bit faster because of the heat and stuff. But and obviously Pedro had kept a little bit extra in the bag. Yeah. I think it was he was just pushing maybe a little bit too much. Um but I feel like he's definitely got his eyes on the first place trophy at one yeah. round this season. Oh, definitely. He didn't seem the happiest in Park Ferme after the race and the bow tie, it's gone. No, I know he broke the bow tie story last year because of all the story behind it and it sort of set him up for I don't want to say failure but there was just too much pressure on him I think everyone wanting to know what the bow tie was all about and then he he did release actually what it was about before he'd won a race and I think that pressure's now taken off of him but he has not worn a bow tie on the podium which is interesting I think this man means business this season so usually he's a bit of a happy-go-lucky and a fun character but Park Fermi, he was straight-faced and you could tell he wants to win races this season. So, yeah, Aaron Callant could be could be up there. I think he will be, so it'll be interesting to see when he does take that first Moto2 win. He's going to have to take it at some point this season, I think. Yep. And obviously, pole sitter, Philip Salach. Impressive lap from him. Oh. Um, finished fourth in the race. I think this is really building up his confidence. Um, is it his second season in Moto2? I think so, yeah. Yeah, um, so, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So obviously he's just building up his confidence as well. And I think pe- what people have to realise is that when you do come into Moto2, like, and you're finishing like 15th to 10th, you do have to gain experience fighting at the yeah. front for first place. Like it is difficult, I'd say, even yeah. though I've never actually ridden a bike myself, but I assume it's really difficult because you're surrounded by people who you might not have been with in mm. a pack and you've got to be very calculative of how much you push, how much tire you've got left yeah. and what the situation is going to be at the end of the race. So I think he did a really good job. Yeah, 100%. And to take his first pole as well. I mean, I was about to say first pole of the season because I believe he'll be up there again. Like, yeah, he's a he's a good, good lad. And I think, yeah, this will be the first of many good performances. Obviously, he got on the podium last year in Thailand. 
So we sort of finished the season on a bit of a high and then coming in and getting pole position in the first race. And it was not an expected pole position either. Like Aaron Cannett seemed to have it in the bag and then Salats just came out of nowhere and stole it from him. I think for him, it's fantastic to then finish fourth and to, to stay up there. No one was getting close to Pedro Costa and Aaron Cannett. So to have that sort of race pace is, is good going into the next couple races um, and I'm excited for him I think another person that we need to mention then as well is Manuel Gonzalez finishing fifth and qualifying in fifth actually so being able to hold on to his position yeah fantastic I mean he had two fourth place finishes or fifth place finishes at the end of last season he got up there anyway I can't remember exactly which one it was and I actually spoke to him over the winter break on the Everything Motor Racing podcast and he means business this season and I mean it like he thinks he's going to win the championship this year and there was no changing his mind and I just think that's an incredible mindset going into the season like to have that much self-belief it's crazy but from that performance I could totally see him being up there if he can continue like this. And um, we've definitely got to talk about the two Brits, Dixon in sixth and Lowe's in seventh, that they were pushing throughout this race. Dixon qualified 12th, didn't have the best qualifying because of two yellow flags, just wrong time really for him when he was doing his fast laps and then obviously the tyres had gone away from him. And then Lowe's qualified in ninth, but both went backwards on the first lap. I think Sam was down to like 16th or something crazy yeah, like that. It was. And they really had to fight through the pack because everyone is so fast in this class and no one wants to let another rider through. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Dixon had a great performance, but Dixon's sort of getting into that stage now where I expect this from him. Like he showed real pace last season and I want to see him up on the podium quite a few times this year. Sam Lowe's though coming back from a horrific season last year, absolutely plagued with terrible injuries. This was massive for Sam, I think. Like to come in, to make up that many positions and he looked really racy. They finished ahead of Albert Arenas who moved into the KTM squad and Obviously, Arenas' teammate is Pedro Costa, and he's winning the race. And then you've got Arenas finishing in eighth. That's massive. And for the two Brits to finish ahead of him, I think is such a performance from from them both. It is absolutely, absolutely crazy. But yeah, great performance. I want to see more of it. And someone else that we have to mention is Alonso Lopez. Now, he crashed out of the race, but this happened after he received a long lap penalty for taking Bo Ben Snyder because Bo Ben Snyder crashed out of the race and it flipped to him and he was in the gravel trap and he was waving his arms in the air like a madman. He was not happy. Then we watch the rerun of the crash and yeah, Alonso Lopez completely punted him off his bike. Now they were running in like 13th. They were not that high up there. Alonso Lopez deservedly got a long lap penalty for the incident, took the long lap penalty and then crashed out of the race after rejoining. Not good from Alonso. Not how he wanted the season. Not how we expected him to start the season either. I really thought he'd be up at the front. But... Again, first race of the season, I'm not going to look too much into it, but 
He's really got to get his head screwed on if he wants to be fighting for the championship this year. I think it's a bit out of character for him, but he also crashed in Valencia, so it's interesting. I'm really intrigued to see how he, he moves forward from this. Yeah, so we've obviously got Rider of the Day for Moto2 as well, and I picked Salach just because his pole performance was incredible, and staying with that front group, being in fourth, I really hope he, he, I definitely think he's got a shot at the podium in Argentina. Yeah, definitely. And my rider of the day is Tony Arbelino. Now, we didn't even speak about him, and I don't know why, but he had an incredible performance. Now, he went through Q1 on Saturday. He was not having a good day. Qualified then in eighth place, just ahead of his teammate, Sam Lowe's. And then come race day, I don't know what he had for breakfast, but he made up five positions in the race. The pace was lightning speed. He did look like he was going to catch um, Pedro Costa and Aaron Canna at one point, but it just seemed that those two had a little bit extra. And I think a third place is absolutely fantastic for Tony. Great way to start the championship fight. And you can tell he's up for it. He was really happy on the podium, celebrating with his team. And I'm excited to see where this season can go for him. I think this is a, a big year for Tony Arbelino. And with performances like that, making up so many places, it has to be mentioned. Absolutely fantastic race. And yeah, definitely my rider of the day. But I think that is everything for Moto2. So let's move on to the main event. The MotoGP main race on Sunday. So obviously we have to mention that Paul Espagro did not start the race on Sunday because of a horror crash he had on Friday. It was scary, scary. Now, it has been concluded that he is okay, as okay as you can be, but he has suffered a lot of injuries and we don't expect to see him back anytime soon. He was diagnosed with pulmonary contusion, uh, a fracture to his jaw and a fractured vertebrae. So it's not looking good. He has been flown home as far as we're aware. Um, they're basically deciding whether or not he needs surgery for any of the injuries that he has. And Gas Gas have said that they aren't going to replace him for the next two races out of a sign of respect for him. So I think that's great from the team to show such respect to to their rider. And yeah, we just hope that Paul recovers well and we hope to see him back when he is fit and ready. But yeah, a really, really scary crash and definitely not what we want to see. Um, so yeah, not starting the race then was Paul Spagger and obviously Inea Bastianini, like we mentioned earlier, who suffered a fractured scapula after the sprint race on Saturday. But to jump into the race then, Peko Bagnaia, dominance. There's no other way to put it. He started the race. Again. Yeah, <laughs> he got a little bit swallowed up, but... First few laps, he got through it. All of a sudden, he's reading the, leading the race. What? Leading the race? <laughs> and, yeah, Peko dominance. He said the bike really suits him. And, yeah, absolutely fantastic performance from the reigning champion. Racing that number one plate, it must be making him just go that little bit faster, I think. It is absolutely 
incredible and he took away the full points from the weekend now you can score 37 points in a weekend rather than 25 and Peko Banyaya scored every single one of those 37 points up for offer it's hard to look past him already for the championship this year if he's going to be putting in performances like that I've said that about every single race winner but I mean it absolutely fantastic 100% I just hope that someone can maybe get up there so it's not so dominant because if he wins every single race, it's going to oh, be Oh, he's going to have it one by like Silverstone. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, now because of the sprint races, I need to work that out. What's yeah, when the they can shortest... win, yeah. Yeah, if they win every single race, when can you win by? <laughs> probably, it probably is Silverstone, to be honest. But, um, so obviously, Marquez starting from pole again, same grid as yeah um the sprint race grid he had a massive crash with Oliveira um obviously very disappointing for all the Portuguese fans in that home race because Oliveira was doing really well second at the time yeah yeah he he was leading the race at one point and then Yeah. yeah such a shame um Marquez has a a double long lap penalty yeah. for Argentina. I think the um they've been quite strict on penalties, like getting them out as yeah. quickly as possible, um, which is fair. And 100%. then like the riders will know if they do anything like this, they'll be getting a penalty handed their way. Um but then in second we had Vinales who obviously started in seventh. Yeah. I everyone was saying they were that he was their favourite for the sprint race. Well quite a lot yeah. of people were. But it didn't quite get there. But the full race, he was the only one taking it to Banyaya really. Yeah. It was interesting. He seemed the pace seemed to come to him just a little too little too late in the sprint race. But full race distance, you could tell he was up for the fight today. And he, yeah, like you said, was the only person who could get close to Peko Banyaya. But I don't know if it's because he had to follow Peko that his tyres weren't there or what. But he did have to settle for second place. He didn't even try and make an overtake. But I say that as like, I don't know if he could get close enough or if Peko just was too fast. Or like I said, if the tyres if the just were drained after trying to keep up for the the whole race but it's really really interesting for Maverick you know this is his fourth podium now with Aprilia second place he still hasn't taken that win but if he keeps going like that it could be very very interesting but yeah I wasn't expecting this from him today I have to say you know usually he tops testing and you know is right up there from the start of the, the start of the year but he sort of was a wee bit slower off the blocks and testing and to come into Portimao, I think, and come second is a really, really good performance. But someone who I think had a, a even better performance had to be Marco Bezzecchi, finishing in third. He qualified in, where is it? He qualified, yes, eighth place. Fell off in the sprint race on Saturday. Had another chance to go at it on Sunday. And, wow. Like, I know he didn't have the pace to keep up with, with Vinales or Paco, but, 
you know, second year in he the did class. Have to fight his way through the pack a bit as well. So if he qualified on the front row, he'd be aware. We never knew yeah, we never know. It could have been him instead of Bang Iron on the top step. But as we've said, qualifying is everything. The free they're not called free practice sessions anymore. The practice sessions yeah. mean everything because if you don't get into, if you don't set fast laps in practice, then you don't get through to Q2 automatically and you have to go through Q1 and then there's a chance you might not even make it through to Q2. Yeah. And then you're stuck in like 14th already, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, interesting podium for the first race of the season but you did mention that he had to battle a little bit to get to get to third place and what a battle it was from fourth to about ninth was crazy in the last couple of laps and I have to take my hat off to Johan Zarko he qualified 10th and oh my god in the final few laps of that race I don't know what came over him but he was dominant he made four overtakes in the last lap to finish in fourth place like what where did this performance come from incredible i sense a backflip this year big time like we've got it on the bingo card and i really hope i can cross it off (laughs) i really want it to happen he was making some crazy moves in that last lap and absolutely fantastic another mention has to go to the fifth place man which was alex marquez he has hopped on that Ducati and just shown straight away that he can be competitive and fast. Like, straight. Like a duck to water. Yeah. It was absolutely I think crazy. The times he's been in Honda hasn't proved Yeah, like how much talent he has. Obviously, he's the Moto2 champion and people sometimes forget that. Like, the bike can mean everything. It can be make or break. As 100%. we've seen from Quattararo. Yeah. Like being on a good bike does contribute to where you put where you finish in a race. And you can only, yeah, this is you can only do so much on a on a mediocre bike. Yeah. And maybe this is starting to show now. Um that yeah. I mean a fifth place is good. It's very good. We're getting a podium this season, I hope. Yeah. I really hope so too. And then we had the two uh, factory KTM bikes, which that's good from the both of them. I think they had a really, really good race. Sort of duffed up at the end. Yeah. Well, sixth ahead of Miller. Sunday man. (laughs) Always. I'm not surprised. But I think some of the biggest losers from the weekend, though, have to be Fabio Quattararo and Alicia Spagro. They have to be mentioned now. Alicia had a better sprint race on Saturday, but come Sunday, he was not a happy boy whatsoever. Fabio Quattararo managed to overtake him for 8th place quite late on in the race. Um, Just goes to show that if Fabio could have qualified better, he, he would have been up there fighting for, for better positions. But it sort of came quite late in the race because he qualified 10th and then... Or 11th, sorry, but started 10th. And then was back to like 15th or something like that at the start of the race. So that's a not good for someone who wants to win the championship and then obviously you've got Alicia Spagaro whose teammate was on the podium he's El Capitan as everyone knows him you know he's the leader of that Aprilia squad and to finish ninth 
not good. You could tell he wasn't happy after the race. He was shooing all the cameras away. Looked pretty furious. And then obviously in the press junkets as well, he was making some big statements about how he did not like the sprint race format weekend at all. So interesting you know it's a lot to ask the riders to race in two different races i know one is half distance but the mental strength the physical strength everything that goes into racing two races in one weekend is huge and obviously we don't know the impact we we, we're not racing two races but you can imagine the impact that this is going to have and you know we're two races into 42 so yeah with with 40 races left to go is it are we asking too much from these riders? Is Alicia Spagaro right? We'll see. We'll see. But we have to move on to some of the crashers then. All you had to do to get points this weekend was finish the race. We had six DNFs in this race. And they came from Raul Fernandez, Luca Marini, Miguel Oliveira and Mark Marquez, obviously. Jorge Martin and DJ Antonio um just pulled into the pits with an issue. I'm not too sure what exactly the issue I was, think, but yeah. Um, it was like a statement was put out and he said that like he couldn't break, his rear brake wasn't working or something like that. And yeah. yeah, it seemed very strange. But it does. He'll be back better next race weekend. Yeah, he's definitely made a step up from last season, but then he had a massive crash in testing, and apparently he's just not been a hundred percent after that. He, yeah, he and I mean cost, testing so. was testing was at the same circuit, so yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think that is it for Moodle GP. I think the only other thing that I need to mention actually is that we've got a few injuries carried in to next week. Obviously with the crash um, with Miguel Oliveira and Mark Marquez. We have Miguel, who, as we are aware right now, he isn't injured. He just has probably a very sore leg after that crash. But as far as we're aware, he's okay. And he has been declared fit. So we do think we'll see him in Argentina next weekend. There is some question marks around Mark Marquez, who has a suspected fracture to his first metacarpal on his right hand and his hand was or his whole arm basically was in a cast um during the press junkets then so that'll be interesting obviously he has his double long lap penalty to serve in Argentina so you know we're not sure whether that'll carry on if he's not fit if it'll like if he'll take the long lap penalty whenever he's back racing again or if he will be in Argentina we'll just have to wait and see and then um, Jorge Martin also suffered an injury to his foot after colliding with Marc Marquez at one point earlier on in the race um, but he is declared fit and will be racing in Argentina but yeah a lot of injuries a lot of crashes dominating performances in all three classes weird weekend of MotoGP racing, but an absolutely incredible weekend of MotoGP racing. It is back, and this is it, you know, the pinnacle of this sport. We had a fantastic weekend getting back into MotoGP. Like we said, we need a few more races to sort of see where where we're at, but yeah, let's do our riders of the day for MotoGP as well before I completely forget about it. I'm going to pick Maverick Vinales. Can't believe I'm saying it myself, but yeah, what a performance. I think it's absolutely incredible. And I hope that this continues. 
I hope this gives him some confidence to continue this season in the way that he started it. I, yeah, he looked strong in that Aprilia. The Aprilia really looked like it could get up there with the Ducati, obviously with the speed difference. You know, if you can gain any on the Ducati, you want to be taking it and to be so close throughout all of the race, I think is absolutely fantastic. And yeah, great performance to finish second from Maverick Vinales. What about you, Carly? Who's your rider of the day? Mine is Alex Marquez, just because he's adapted so well mm. to that Ducati. And I really think he has a chance of, of getting a few podiums this year, maybe even getting a win. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Well, there we are, folks. I think that's everything then. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. lot of racing and a lot of things to talk about for the first round. Yeah. <laughs> crazy first round i can't believe we're back this is it now we've got 20 more races to go but yes that is it we are done with the first race of this season we hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did we will be back with race review number two after the argentinian grand prix next weekend we already cannot wait for that but yeah we are at the starting lap if you want to follow us absolutely anywhere Follow us along during the weekends because we live tweet all of the qualifying sprint races and races on Sunday. So you don't want to miss that. If you're out and about and you can't watch the races, just give us a follow and we'll keep you updated with everything that is going on. And of course, follow all of our other social medias to keep up to date with everything. We have loads of exciting things in the pipeline that you don't want to miss out on. But like I said, we will be back next week with the Argentinian Grand Prix review. And yeah, have a good week, folks.